So our epistle this morning comes to us from the third chapter of the book of James. It's not a book that we uh, talk about too frequently, but I have to say that James is one of the more practical books uh, of the Bible that we can apply to our everyday lives as Christians. And in this chapter, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, James is talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking to us about restraining our tongues. Hmm. Listen to what he says. It's an interesting beginning. Not many of you, James says, should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. So if we take that passage of James and we apply it to our everyday life, it's clear to see that restraining the tongue is a difficult endeavor. As, as fallible humans in our fallen human condition, holding one's tongue, restraining oneself from spewing unkind words can be difficult, if not impossible for us to do. I always use the example of driving in Houston traffic. It's akin to stubbing your toe. <laughs> The words just seem to pour out. 
Words I never even knew (laughs) that I knew. But you get my point. The human tongue is an unbridled beast. James gives us some good insight here in this passage on the subject of restraining what he calls the unbridled tongue. He puts it in the context of teachers. Now, if you're not a teacher, don't think that this advice doesn't apply to you because as Christians, we are all ministers of the faith. We're all proclaimers of the gospel. We're all makers of disciples. So in a very real sense, even if you don't have the title teacher attached to your name, we're all teachers to a certain degree. And as such, we're responsible for the words that pour from our lips. And James is reminding us, don't be in any rush to become a teacher, friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards And James says, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. And James is telling us that's not reality, is it? See, a a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of someone who's skilled in piloting that ship sets a course even in the face of the strongest winds. And so a word out of your mouth may seem to be of no account, seem to have no significance, seem to have little impact, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Let me say that again. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can either accomplish nearly anything or destroy nearly everything. It only takes a spark, James tells us, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of our mouths can set things ablaze, either ablaze for Christ or burn everything up in spite of Him. See, by our speech, we can ruin the world or at least our world or someone else's. We can turn harmony to chaos. We can throw mud on someone's reputation. We can send the whole world up in smoke And go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell, James calls it. That's pretty scary stuff. This little tongue we have. You can tame a tiger, James says. But you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild. It's a wanton killer. With our tongues, at the same time, we bless God our Father... We come to church and we praise and worship with the very same tongues. We curse the very men and women he made in his image. All of that out of the same mouth. (laughs) Curses and blessings. 
out of the same mouth. And James tells us, friends, this practice can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish water the next. Apple trees don't bear strawberries. Raspberry bushes don't bear apples. You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of cool, clear water. It just doesn't happen. What he's saying here is we have to be consistent concerning the words that come out of our mouths. We can't come here to church on Sunday and sing beautiful, uplifting hymns and recite wonderful, powerful prayers and creeds and scripture, letting beautiful words flow from our mouths. And then when we walk out those doors, we turn around and let unkind, hateful words spew from our lips the rest of the week. And incidentally, typing them into Facebook is the same thing as saying. (laughs) We have to bridle that horse. We have to control that tongue lest we be seen as hypocrites to a watching world. Our words can either affirm and uplift, they can give life, or they can steal, kill, and destroy. You know, I always, I always go to this one particular story because it's personal to me and it means something and you've heard it before, so forgive me in that, but it's the perfect illustration for this passage of Scripture. I think in my study Bible, there's a reference note that says, tell the story about Margaret. (laughs) And so I will use that again and again and again until it drives home the point that we need to be careful the words that come out of our mouths. Unkind words directed at another person can damage that person for their entire lifetime. And such is the case with Margaret. See, Margaret was a lady who was getting on in years and she lived in a retirement home. And all her life, Margaret had suffered from low self-esteem. Always thinking that she was never good enough, never smart enough, Because as a child, the terrible power of an unbridled tongue, several of them actually, attacked her unmercifully. See, when she was a child, she went to school. We don't see these anymore. Matter of fact, most of them went from being schools to small churches in rural communities. But she went to school in a one-room schoolhouse in the country. And she was an awkward child. She didn't seem to fit in with the other kids. And when she was in her fifth year of school, the school hired a new teacher, and for whatever reason, because of Margaret's awkwardness, because she wasn't as cute and attractive maybe as the other kids, maybe she was just 
a little contrary, this new teacher, for whatever reason, immediately began to dislike Margaret. Now, this teacher was of questionable character, in my view. What kind of teacher, I guess, would take out on any child this kind of behavior? But this is what happened. After a particularly trying day, the teacher who was angry and frustrated with her class, and especially Margaret, told each of those 25 children in that small school to approach the chalkboard and write a reason why they didn't like Margaret on the board. <coughs> yes, this actually happened. And then they were to turn and face the class and speak what they had written. And so one by one, in this form of punishment beyond anything I can fathom, the children dutifully walked up to the board and they wrote and they spoke. Margaret is ugly. Margaret is stupid. Margaret is strange. Margaret is fat. Margaret is, and on and on, they went. Now, Margaret took that cruel experience with her for the rest of her days. And now, in her declining years, living in a nursing home, she reached out to a local pastor who would visit on occasion. And she shared with him over a cup of coffee the things that took place in that one-room schoolhouse on that day. And she said to him, I can recall each one, their face, what they wrote and said about me. It has stayed with me all of my life. And the pastor listened and he thought for a minute and he said, I think there's one that you left out. Margaret was surprised at that response. How could the pastor possibly know that? He wasn't even born then. No, that's not possible, pastor. I've replayed it so many times. I'm sure they're all accounted for. They and the mean things they wrote and said, each and every one of them. And she closed her eyes so that she could remember them again as she had done every day of her life from school age until she sat alone with a pastor in a nursing home. No, Margaret, there is one. The one at the back of the class, Margaret. Don't you see him? Margaret was there with her eyes closed and the pastor said, See him? He's getting up from his chair and he's walking to the front of the class. Do you see him, Margaret? And now he's taking the chalk from the teacher and he's picking up the eraser from the chalkboard's ledge. Can you see him, Margaret? 
and he's erasing all of those mean things from the board and he's writing new things in their place and now he is reciting the things that he has written and he is making all of them true. Can't you just see him, Margaret? Can't you hear his words, Margaret? He's writing and he's speaking. Margaret is beautiful. Margaret is kind. Margaret is wonderful. Margaret is loved. Do you see him, Margaret? It's Jesus. He is making all things new. And Margaret, still with her eyes closed, says, yes, I see him. And you know what, Pastor? What, Margaret? He's the only one who knows who I really am. We can choose to be speakers of words of life or we can steal and kill and destroy like the father of lies, the devil. Words can be life-giving or they can steal a person's life away. We can bridle the unbridled tongue through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And we can choose to speak life into people. My prayer for us this morning is that we all find the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us as followers of Jesus Christ to speak words of life into those that we cherish, into those that are our enemies, into those who disagree with us. Speak words of life into them. That's how we transform those who are against us into those who are for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.